On this episode of Documental, I am speaking with Ali Covington, just some chick. <laughs> I think I might change my page to that. <laughs> Forget it. I'm just some chick. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. I really do. So um, I figured we could talk about hormones, which is a very important topic in the health sphere. Um, How do we start the discussion? It's a really complicated discussion. So, I mean, we could start it pretty much anywhere. We could ask any question and it'll lead to another question over here that leads to another question over there. And so, I mean, I guess the discussion begins with it's hormones are the driving factor in all of our success when it comes to our health and fitness. And I think it's largely overlooked because it's so difficult to measure and it's not obvious. But when somebody tells me, look, I'm eating right and I'm exercising and I'm not losing any weight, automatically the first thing I think is hormones. And depending on where a person is in their life will depend on what their hormonal activity is. Men, depending on what their lifestyle is like and their, their stress level, well, then that's going to have a, a bigger impact with cortisol and cortisol's positive and negative feedback loops and stress and how that you know, forces your body to maintain fat, usually around the middle, but then that could also be an estrogen thing. And that could be due to lack of fiber. And so it all feeds back into one another. And so it's a really interesting, very complicated um, discussion. Just out of curiosity, is the discrepancy in the hormones um, a result of our lifestyles today, a lack of exercise, a lack of movement, standing up? and sitting too much, or are there other factors that are weighing in today? Yes. <laughs> All that. Yes. yes, it's movement, it's lack of movement. So movement will produce, will get your hormones moving in one direction, but lack of movement keeps them stagnant and is a negative feedback loop to other hormones. So let's say you're a 40-year-old man, or let's even say a 30-year-old man, your DHEA has started to decline It starts to decline at age 30, and that means that your testosterone production is going to decline. So if you are now sitting at a desk, that's going to have a greater impact on you than if you were lifting weights and moving, because the lifting weights itself is going to uh, stimulate your body to produce more HGH, which is going to burn more fat. So you see, your activity level definitely matters, your age definitely matters, and then what you put into your body is one of the most critical factors, because everything that that we are is just one big, you know, um, tube of chemicals, right? And so what we eat is just another way of inserting more chemicals into our body. Now, I'm not just talking about the chemicals that we make, that the food companies make in a lab, and then we're ingesting those from processed foods and things like that. But when you eat a fruit or a vegetable or a meat or a fat, those have an impact on your body. So the type that you eat, the um, magnitude of which you consume them, um, they all have an impact. And not everybody's body is built the same, right? If you take three different body types, ectomorph, mesomorph, endomorph, and you say, okay, well, the ectomorphs, they can barely gain any weight. The mesomorphs can lose it, gain it with relative ease. And the endomorphs can basically look at food and, and gain weight. Um, 
the types of foods that they consume will all have a different impact inside of their bodies because their bodies look at foods differently. So for an ectomorph, I would say, I don't care really how many carbs you eat or how much sugar you eat. If you need to gain weight, you need just calories. We want to, and we're not going to be able to build muscle without enough of them. But an endomorph, you better stay away from sugar because that's going to have a multiplied effect inside of your body compared to a mesomorph, right? Compared to the ectomorph. So the ectomorph is going to, is very inefficient. They're going to burn through calories. They're going to need way more of it to gain weight. Whereas the endomorph is very efficient. So they don't need nearly as much. And you cannot just say calories in, calories out because of the biochemical responses that the, that each different body produces. So if you just start from that level and start working your way down, then you get into activity, then you get into stress management, then you get into age, and they all matter. They all make a big difference. Hmm. That's yeah. the short answer. <laughs> no, it's, it's fascinating, actually, Ali, because the topic of hormones, as you said in the beginning of the episode, I mean, it, it can span in so many ways in the health environment. And it opens up a really long discussion because we have so many branches to go down, right? I, what I like to do in these episodes, as people have noticed, so listeners have taken note of, is put practical advice uh, because all this theory is good, but how do they actually go out and do things after the episode? Wow. And um, you're saying, you know, move and, and get active, even a standing desk. If you have to sit at, a, at an office, like ask your employer for a standing desk, I think that's a pretty reasonable request. <laughs> a standing desk is good or just sit, sit on a ball. I never had a standing desk, but I sat on a ball um, for, I don't know, close to 10 years mm. through, throughout a pregnancy and everything. And it just, it forces your body and it forces your glutes to work and it forces your core to work. And it just, it, it's like a passive exercise, so to speak, just mm. sitting on a ball. And that's just as good as standing, in my opinion, because I think that most people's posture won't really allow them to stand, you know, in a good posture. So I'd rather see them sit on a ball first, having their shoulders back, keeping their chin back. Because when we sit at a desk, we tend to lean forward and we tend to get this rounded shoulder effect. And that's going to have an impact on not only the muscles in your upper back, but it's going to have an impact on headaches potentially in the future. And, um, and obviously that comes from a weak core. So when you think about it from your hips to the top of your head, that's the amount of your body that's actually doing the work when you're sitting on a ball. But if you're standing up, it's from your heels all the way to the top of your head. So it's gonna be far more muscles for you to have to engage and manipulate on a moment to moment basis if you're standing versus sitting on a ball. Hmm. Right, because people are, are really busy these days, and if you have to sit in the desk and you don't have time for the gym, you might as well use this ball or, or a standing desk. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's time management, right? It helps, <laughs> uh, yeah. And you're saying, you know, there's benefits in posture as well. I mean, it has a poor, poor over effect in that you have better body language and you're standing more confident because you're doing these exercises, right? So right. there's... I don't see a downside here. It's just being more active that will then enhance your mood during the day and at night. Absolutely. Well, it's going to help your sleep too. 
So for oh. somebody who's got a stressful job, who sits in a car, who's at a desk most of the day, they more than anybody else really need to exercise to release all of that stressful energy so that they can sleep better because otherwise their sleep is going to get interrupted, which is going to cause more cortisol, which is going to cause a negative feedback loop to eat the kinds of foods that make them feel more comfort comforted in, in this stressful environment they've created inside of their body. And that's just going to have a, a bigger negative impact. So it almost is like this um, downward spiral that they find themselves in this quicksand where you kind of make a couple of changes and then you end up in this upward spiral that starts to cascade in a positive direction for yourself. So yeah, there's a few changes that, that somebody could make, but when it comes to hormones and things like that, if you do the normal things that are the most basic requirements for a healthy foundation and that's not working, then the next thing to do is to go start checking all these different hormone levels and figure out what's wrong right? Between your thyroid, HGH, testosterone, estrogen, all of those things. But if you're not doing the basics, going and checking on your hormones is irrelevant because they haven't even had a chance to settle into something that is actually functioning properly hmm. to find out if there is dysfunction. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up cortisol because I think this is a hormone we need to focus on for this discussion next. Um, okay. Stress is a serious issue, I think, in this modern world. <laughs> and I, I think um, we need to find ways to manage it. And cortisol seems to be rising year after year uh, with all the distractions and so much information and noise. Uh, how do we manage that? How do we take control of the cortisol hormone? You know, a big way to do it is, is stress relief. So there's going to be a couple of ways you can do that. One, you can go, you need to exercise, cardio, lift weights, yoga. Meditation is another really good way to manage that. So cortisol is released when we're thinking stressful thoughts. So when we're thinking stressful thoughts, our brain says, oop, now I'm stressed, I need to release some cortisol because the cortisol is actually trying to do your body a service not a disservice. Well, the side effect of that is that we tend to retain body fat right around our middle. So if we can find ways to minimize those negative thoughts inside of our head, the worry, the negative self-talk. So therapy could be a really good way for people to start moving past some of that stuff because a lot of it could just be trauma from the past that are, you know, these subconscious and unconscious thoughts that are just in a constant loop of negativity from past insults to our psyche and they just ruminate over and over and over again. And so often we don't even realize what we're doing. We just think that this is the, this is the way things are, right? Or this is who I am and we just accept it, but it's not necessary to. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, this is um, a really important discussion. I hope the listeners are, are taking notes right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think people that are very stressed and have a lot of uh, anxious thoughts, it's kind of hard to sit down and close your eyes for a minute, five minutes, 10 minutes. Um, though med meditation does have a lot of benefits. I, I That's going to make myself. you more anxious by trying to sit down and, and not right. be anxious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, everybody has their outlet. And uh, but I think it's worth a try. And you mentioned therapy as well. That seems like a legitimate practice that somebody can go on and, and don't have to go pay somebody. You can talk to somebody you care about that can help you lower any type of stress levels that you're experiencing, right? Exactly. A lot of it is, I mean, a good run 
a good climb up the stairs, some cardio, getting your heart rate up. See, what happens when you do cardio is your body releases other hormones, serotonin and dopamine, right? You get all the endorphins going and those counteract cortisol. So if you're anxious and you have all this anxious energy, you need to go burn it off mm-hmm. and then you're going to feel better. Right. And so now you're going to be far more calm mentally, but it's amazing how you think a thought and then your body starts producing a chemical as a result of a thought. Right. So think about it in terms of sex too, right? You think sexual thoughts and your body starts producing all kinds of oxytocin and sex hormones. Right. So your thoughts create your biochemistry. And so it's for somebody to dismiss therapy or talking to friends or those types of things, or I don't need cardio. I just need to get this work done. You need the cardio first because the work will, will be a lot easier and your head and you're going to be able to think a lot more clearly at the same time, while you're doing cardio, your body or, or any kind of exercise, your body is actually producing new neurons. So the thoughts that you're thinking while you're doing those activities, you're wrapping myelin around those neurons so that you conduct those thoughts even faster. So a faster, this is what I call my little cheat, right? It's like a brain hack. So while you're doing cardio, you're thinking these positive thoughts. And I'm not talking about like, I'm going to be a wealthy man in five minutes, kind of ridiculousness, but like really self-empowering thoughts. Not like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get out of this project that I've got to do with my boss? Oh, I can't, I'm going to be stressed over the holidays because I hate my in-laws or they hate me. And how am I going to navigate, right? None of that stuff, but just things like I'm capable of handling everything that life, that life throws at me. Thoughts like that, that you're thinking while you're building new neurons, you're wrapping myelin around those neurons because every time you think the thought, you wrap this myelin around your neurons so that it basically conducts the thought even faster. And then it becomes a subconscious thought because it's conducted so fast you don't even notice it anymore. Does that make sense? So you can take something that started off as a conscious decision to do that became part of you because you went through this process, Hmm. which doesn't happen when you're in a therapy session, right? And so I was on Fox's um, podcast, I think a week ago, and we were talking about how EMDR works in a therapy session. And I said, I would rather take it and put it in a cardio session. So that not only is your body creating positive hormones to counteract the stress hormones that are released when we're talking about these problems to overcome, but now you're also creating new neurons and you're wrapping myelin around those neurons and you're doing what I just said, right? So now it becomes more of a positive life hack than just a process of slogging through all this trauma and BS. And most of the stuff that we, um, that we experience, all the excuses that we give for things, they fall into one of the five stages of grief. There's trauma from somewhere that's created grief, right? I don't think you can grow up without trauma. You get bullied on the playground, some girl said no, and now you're taking it hard. You know, like the boy that you like doesn't want to dance with you at the dance. And so we have all these little traumas and the way we think about them start creating our personality and the way we view the world and so it's really easy to see how how when the boy got you know kicked in the nuts by the girl in the playground he now relates that to not wanting to approach the woman at the bar that he finds attractive because he's created because of that trauma 
right? And so he makes up a reason he, that falls into the one of one of the five stages of grief. It's like, no, nah, I don't need to. I'll try later. Ah, she probably wouldn't like me anyway, right? You can hear it. You've heard it in other people's language and their conversations with you over time. And it's at, it's just something like that, but we can overcome it. And that would be my life hack to, to help you overcome those types of things. Just identify what they are and start working on them while you're working on your body. Hmm, that's great advice. So we're shaping our thoughts by being active and uh, you know going in the right direction to shape our physicality as well. So it's kind of like a compound effect over time. We become a person that's in good shape that also thinks high of themselves um, and has amazing effects for other parts of your life. So um, yeah. bottom line is get active. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And stop eating crap. <laughs> that's another one. Yeah. Because it's, it's the energy we're consuming and the way we're expending that energy as well, right? Exactly. It's all energy. Okay. All we are is, is a vibration of energy. If you think about an atom, right, it's just a nucleus with, uh, with electrons running around it. Everything in our body is, is made up of atoms. So all we are is this energy that's vibrating. So what we consume, the lower energy food that we consume, the less energy we're actually going to have. I mean, from a really like metaphysical standpoint, you can look at it that way. Yeah, we could write a book. <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody's written something about that. I, mean, I, I, know I didn't include that in my book. They said I think I did. <laughs> oh, you got to add one now. I wrote it so long ago. Allie, um, this is very insightful. Uh, let's close the interview with uh, an introduction, your story, and any projects you're currently involved in. Um, my story. Gosh, that could take an hour to go through it. <laughs> Um, which part do you want me to start with of the story? Where, how do you want me to narrow that one down? Yeah. How did you get into this field? What, what is the fascination? Well, I have two companies, so I'm in fitness and in finance. And the way I got into fitness was, I, um, you know how most college kids go get a job, right? Waiting tables, you know, bartending, doing whatever. Um, I became a personal trainer. And then I got certified teaching group exercise classes. So while I was pre-med at UCI, I was already in this, what, what a lot of people have as a career now, I was, that was just my you know, school time job. And while I was in school, I created the first um, weightlifting class for ballets. And then it turned up in 24-hour fitness and I was a college student. I was told to trademark it, but I didn't know what that was. And yeah. I couldn't even put gas in my car, much less pay an attorney to trademark something for myself. So, um, but yeah, I created that back in 96 and, um, and it got over to Bally's and then it, and then it changed. Uh, sorry, it got over to 24-hour fitness. It changed when Les Mills Body Pump came in. But I'd always been in fitness because, um, I mean, I was teased on the playground. And so the little fat girl inside my head was like, I don't ever want to be fat again. And so I got into that field because I wanted to know how to, how to train myself, how to take care of me. And, um, but I never wanted that to be my career. I just wanted to do it enough to get through my bachelor's and my master's in counseling psychology. And then once I was go, I was, as I was wrapping up my master's, I realized I didn't want to have a private practice, so I got into finance, into personal financial planning, and I've been licensed to, since 2001 doing that, and then um, my, my company, BOD company, is my tech company, so I wrote a personal training algorithm, and um, then I 
built software around that algorithm. And that's what we've been doing over there on that side of things. So we license it to companies and people that want to leverage their ability to train more people faster. Very impressive. Thanks. We'll it's include the links. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was very good. Um, we'll include the links in the description below of this episode. Um, Allie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh,